Hey guys, and welcome to the Black Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Castillo, and let's get started. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Castillo, and today I'm going to be talking to my friend, Sam, about um, growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, uh, the different ins and outs of the church, and where he's at now religiously. Hey Sam, welcome. How you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, can you just come a little closer to the mic? It's not really that great, but you know. Um... All right, so I guess let's like jump into it. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about your childhood? So my childhood was definitely different from like the conventional American upbringing. Um, I basically kind of lived in like isolation. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't really allowed to be friends with kids that were outside of the religion. So all the kids I went to school with... Um, Basically, it's like you're just automatically weird. Yeah. <laughs> a weird kid. <laughs> so, like, I was kind of ostracized at school. I didn't have a lot of friends. And, you know, the majority of my personal life at home was taken up by, you know, doing things for the church. Mm-hmm. And so what, what kind of things would you guys do for the church and your family? So, um, back when I was a kid, it's changed now, but... We used to meet together uh, with the rest of the church three times a week. Um, Were there specific days that you guys would meet? Yep, Monday night, Thursday night, and Sunday morning. And Saturday morning, we would all get together and go out preaching. Hmm. So that's still a thing. That's been a thing pretty much the whole time. The religion's been around Mm -hmm. every Saturday morning. uh, Everyone gets together and goes out preaching. (laughs) So where, like, where did that come from? What's um, kind of the history? Is that pioneering? No. So basically, um, preaching began because they interpret one of the scriptures in the gospel uh, where Jesus was talking about what makes a true Christian. Um, basically, he said, like, to go forth and spread the word of God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. So they took that as meaning that in order for them to be true Christians, they have to go and spread the word. Okay. So they do so vigorously. So, <laughs> so what's the difference between that and uh, pioneering? So pioneering, is, there's different levels of preaching. So the majority of witnesses are what's called a publisher. Mm-hmm. So that means that you're a dedicated and baptized member of the church. And basically, you just put in like a minimum of eight hours a month mm-hmm. uh, into preaching. Then there's what's called auxiliary pioneering, which is um, basically that you're vowing to put 50 hours a month Hmm. into um, preaching. And then pioneering is basically almost like a part-time job. Mm -hmm. So you're doing it 70 hours a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what was some of, like, the history of the church that you learned in your childhood? Um, So... The history that I learned was that the church began um, in the late, mid to late 1800s. Um, There was a man named Charles Russell who 
basically he was a member of a Catholic church, I believe. And he felt that um, they weren't interpreting the Bible correctly and that they had too many traditions. Mm -hmm. So he started a movement called the Bible Students. So they would meet together in small groups and basically try to interpret the Bible for what it really said. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they got more and more members around the world and it blossomed into becoming the Jehovah's Witnesses. They changed their name in the 30s, I think, to Jehovah's Witnesses. So they just wanted to get an, um, what's the right word? Like an unadulterated version of what the Bible says. So mm -hmm. they're basically like a fundamentalist group. Um, and then I was like, I don't know. I was on, I was looking at some of the links that you sent me and I have a couple questions about those. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's where I learned about pioneering. This is a uh, Jehovah's Witness TV, JWTV. Yep. Um, so what my first question is why does everyone refer to god as jehovah so basically it's it's pretty simple in the original manuscripts of the bible god is referred to as yahweh in mm -hmm. hebrew and basically when you translate yahweh into english it translates as jehovah so one of the things that when the religion was starting one of the things that they wanted to make sure of was that they restored God's name into the Bible where it had been removed by the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. So um, they use his name liberally instead of, you know, like feeling as though it's something that shouldn't really be said. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why they call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and then I noticed like the language uh, that they use, like in speaking about each other it's a lot of like brother so-and-so sister so-and-so mm -hmm. like is that something that's really common yeah that's basically an across the board thing um you refer to people i mean if you're close friends with someone of course you would call them by their first name but mm -hmm. everyone is considered your brother and sister so it's like they want it to feel like a global you know they call it a global brotherhood Mm -hmm. So like everyone's friend, like you're automatically friends with someone because they're a Jehovah's. They're also a Jehovah's Witness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I experienced that in my religion as well. The religion I grew up in. Um. Okay. So while I was watching, I kind of noticed that there were no like people of color in the streams. Is that would you say that there's like a representation for people of color in the Jehovah's Witness Church or there is honestly one of the things that I applaud them for is that they have um, they have very good racial diversity um, so it's it's more of a regional thing they film a lot of their videos they film on site at their headquarters in New York mm -hmm. is that and, Bethel yes um, and so I think like the majority of the people that work in their headquarters are white um, but honestly racial like you know racial injustice or anything like that wasn't really an issue like representation was always there so you didn't feel um like singled out for being black or mixed or whatever no especially because like where i grew up in atlanta the congregation was incredibly diverse mm -hmm. um, when i moved up north uh when i was in middle school um, I didn't like just it was just because of the region. The area I lived in was mostly Caucasian, so <laughs> most of the people in my congregation were white. Mm -hmm. But I never felt singled out. So what? Um, can you tell me a little bit about like your personal experience in the church and how you felt about that? Yeah. Um, 
So basically, I mean, I was born and raised into it. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, I, it never really occurred to me that I was, you know, different. It just all seemed normal to me. Um, so, like, like I said, you are you are singled out from the rest of society because you know you're viewed as different. Mm-hmm. Your belief system is different. You know, I grew up without celebrating any birthdays or major holidays. Yeah. What? Um, why is that a thing? Um, there's different reasons for everything, but basically they found a way to trace back pretty much every major holiday to a pagan belief mm-hmm. or worship. Okay. And birthdays are because, you know, birthdays are only mentioned twice in the Bible, and they both ended with an apostle getting decapitated. So <laughs> they were like, yeah, let's not do those either. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but sorry, you were talking about uh, your childhood. Yeah, um... So, I mean, to me, it seemed relatively normal. I mean, I would be sad when I would be left out of celebrations that they'd have in the class or, you know, other friend groups because they all got to hang out together after school and I couldn't really do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't really until I was a teenager that I saw the difference um, because I started to actually become friends with the people I went to school with. And... It was difficult because, you know, deep down I was thinking to myself, like, these people are pagans and, you know, they don't have God's approval, so I shouldn't approve of them either, but I also liked them. So mm-hmm. it was, there was a lot of internal conflict when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of rules that I didn't agree with. So that was definitely difficult. I, I was depressed for a long time when I was a teenager um, because I just, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was like, awakening to what the real world was like basically yeah oh damn i don't know you might have triggered something in me just now (laughs) (laughs) ah to be honest because um yeah no i feel like sorry and not to hijack your interview but um when i was like 19 i think i was like oh i don't have to go to church anymore and i kind of like started waking up to the world and like I don't know, because my experience was different than yours. I didn't go to public school. Everyone that I was around was Adventist. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was like the first time I had actually been around people who were Adventist, but not really Adventist. And I was like, oh, like, there's different people out here. Like, yeah. And the way that I've been taught my whole life is not necessarily the way that I want to live. I don't know. Yeah. I was... um, You know, that's pretty common in the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'd say probably about half of the kids get homeschooled just because their parents don't want to expose them to the outside world. So there's a lot of people that I knew and were friends with that had spent their entire life only around Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. Besides, like, you know, trivial everyday things like going to the store and stuff. Mm -hmm. But But they weren't really interacting. Yeah. And it was like, that was very... I'm very thankful to my mother for she never like even considered homeschooling me she always wanted me to go to public school so i could you know get social skills (laughs) as small as little as they were um but yeah i'm very thankful that she let me go to public school because i would be a much different person (laughs) now if i didn't um so i want to talk more about your experience in just a second but i also like want to go a little bit into the history and things that i read on wikipedia Mm -hmm. i know that everyone says wikipedia is not a reliable source but honestly they cite their sources so yeah anyway um so i read a lot about um how people aren't allowed to criticize 
or contribute their like ideas yeah so um one of the there's okay let me let me try to put this in the right context so there's like what's considered like solid sinning and then there's like gray area sinning Mm -hmm. so solid sins are like ones that are in the ten commandments like Mm -hmm. don't kill people don't commit adultery things like that and then there's gray area sinning which are like smaller things like gambling and stuff um but one of the what they consider to be one of like the big sins that you can commit is to question the word of god Hmm. and they believe that they have the complete word of god and that they are the only ones who interpret it correctly so and when you say they who are you referring to jehovah's witnesses in general is there like a um like a sect of people that interpret it or yes so there's there's a hierarchy so there's uh, at the very top there's a group of seven or eight men i believe it's eight right now currently that are call themselves the governing body mm-hmm. they're in charge of all of the doctrine um you know they're in charge of what gets published in their publications basically everything that has to do with being a jehovah's witness they have the final word in mm. so they have regular meetings and they live in the headquarters um okay. they have regular meetings like deciding what the doctrine is going to be for the religion things like that and what and the, everyone's going to do are they elected or no it used to be an elected position um, back in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. but they did away with that and decided that it should be a group of men, but they elect themselves. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have thoughts. <laughs> I do too, but you, you know. Um, so yeah, so because of that, they decided that uh, like misinterpreting or questioning the word of God is, exactly. is one of the big sins. And one of the things about the governing body is that all of them believe that they were chosen by God, basically. So they are basically the only pipeline to the word of God okay. that's alive on earth today. So it's kind of like the Pope for... Yeah, it's the equivalent of the Pope for Catholics. Okay. Um, and so I, I was also reading about like not having any like private ideas. Does that also go hand in hand with the yeah, misinterpretation. They basically have a doctrine or a rule or a teaching for every single thing you can think of in your everyday life. Um, so basically you don't really need anything else but that is what they believe. Okay. Um, and then um, I was reading about the purge of a bunch of high-level members. Um, is that around the time that they stopped doing the elections? And... No, that was that was about forty years after that. Okay. Um, basically, um, it was there are some doctrines that they have, some teaching that are pivotal to the belief system of the Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. and one of those teachings came into question. Basically, somebody brought to the attention of the governing body that hey, this teaching is wrong, and here's the archaeological and scientific facts to back that up Mm. and basically some people were like okay well we need to change our belief system then and the other half of the governing body was like no we don't and they won and expelled the other members from the religion so is it um oh i have so many questions (laughs) so like the evidence that they presented did they say that like it 
it wasn't relevant or like no it's it's most definitely relevant um basically what the the teaching that they were that they were disputing was um the return of jesus Mm. so that's i mean that's a pretty common belief in Mm. christianity um that jesus died for our sins went to heaven um and that he will one day return and you know it will be judgment of the wicked Mm -hmm. so um they base that belief system off of the date 1914. Now, there's some math that I don't understand that went into getting <laughs> that date, but basically it's based off of the de- the destruction of Jerusalem. Okay. So they believe that Jerusalem was destroyed in 607 BCE when, in truth, um, people, I think it was 587. Mm-hmm. No, 577, something like that. Mm-hmm. was actually destroyed then and like they have the you know the facts to back it up it was like an archaeological discoveries okay. like yep it was impossible that jerusalem was destroyed at this time yeah so basically based off of that they believe that jesus actually became the king of god's kingdom mm-hmm. his heavenly kingdom in the year 1914 and at the same time he expelled satan and his demons from heaven in that year and sent him to the earth so, and they use the evidence that World War One started in the year 1914 to mm-hmm. back that up. Mm-hmm. So, um, basically, they're like, yeah, Jerusalem wasn't destroyed in 607 BC, so we got the date wrong, so we got everything else wrong that comes off oh, of that. Oh, okay. And um, the other half were like, well, they don't need to know that. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and actually, one of the members that was expelled... Mm-hmm then wrote a book that's been responsible for like a lot of people leaving the religion because mm. they find this book called crisis of conscience and it's about his experience as being one of the leaders of jehovah's witnesses and about like a lot of the you know things like that the deception that goes on mm-hmm. behind closed doors and yeah you were telling me that you didn't really find all this out until like after you left, yeah right? they they keep it under wraps because like i said one of the major sins is questioning the beliefs of the religion so they basically train you not to look at anything that would go against the teachings of the jehovah's witnesses and um one of those books is like a huge red flag mm-hmm. they're like don't read this book basically mm-hmm. because it exposes them and so how do you think that they um maintain their uh i feel like control is the wrong word oh it's the right word <laughs> <laughs> How do you think that they maintain their control among, like, the people? Because there's a lot of people. There's millions of people around the world that are Jehovah's Witnesses. How do you think that these eight men control this whole body of people? Basically, they use the same methods of, like, um, communist or fascist regimes. I I hate to, like, (laughs) compare it to the Nazis, but they use the same methods. Um they use um basically propaganda it's a lot of repetition Mm -hmm. because some of their teachings are pretty hard to swallow and like if you you mind sharing some that are hard to swallow yeah because i mean basically one of their pivotal beliefs like i said is about the return of jesus and they believe that that is going to happen in the very near future within Mm -hmm. our lifetimes and what that would involve would be um basically the dividing of the masses so those that are Jehovah's Witnesses are trying desperately now to save those that aren't mm-hmm. and bring them over to their side. And there will be a time when 
basically God will say, all right, this is the cutoff period. Yeah. If you're not on the right side now, you're going to be destroyed. Oh, my God. And then Jesus will return, destroy all of the people that are not Mm -hmm. on his side, and then recreate the earth as a paradise where everyone else can live happily and healthily for eternity. Honestly, I'm shook. Yeah. Not because of uh, that being a teaching, but because... uh, they have the exact same thing in Adventism. Like, <laughs> the exact same thing. I also, like, uh, was on their website and they were talking about the 144,000 that are going to be saved. Yeah, that's 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 unrelated. That's um, basically, there won't be a hun- only 144,000 that are saved. They believe that basically everyone that's a Jehovah's Witness will be saved. Mm. So there's around 9 million now, which mm-hmm. is less than 1%, well, like 1% of the population on Earth. Mm. And, um, no, not even. No, it's not. It's like less than 1%. Anyways, they, be- <laughs> um, they believe that 144,000 will be chosen between the death of Christ mm-hmm. um, and the destruction of the modern earth. That 144,000 people will be chosen within that life, t- within that time period to go to heaven and mm-hmm. um, be angels. And the seven men that I talked about earlier, mm-hmm. they all believe that they were chosen. And there's about like 6,000 people alive today that believe they were chosen. So what happens to the other like 8 million? They, would, they would be the ones that would live on the earth after mm. the destruction oh, okay. I see when it's a saying. paradise. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, that, I saw that number and I was shook again because yeah. it's also an Adventism and I'm yeah. like... Well, that number is that number is in the book of Revelation a couple of times, mm. so it's it's like it, it's a not a well known number, but like mm-hmm. it's it's talked about sometimes. Okay, um, and then you were well, not you, sorry, Wikipedia was telling me, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you told me a little bit that um, Jesus dying on the cross isn't like a belief. Yes, so. They believe that because of some translation errors over time that the cross was invented mm-hmm. and that it wasn't actually what he died on. They believe that he died on a stake. Oof. So um, basically the same concept, just that, you know, his hands were over his head mm-hmm. and his legs were like, so it was straight up and down mm-hmm. instead of being a cross, um, which is why they don't use any cross symbolism or anything like that. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's that. <laughs> um, so, finally, to circle back to uh, your experience, like in the later years, um, mm-hmm. what uh, what made you leave? It was a combination of things. One of which being, you know, throughout my adolescence, I started, you know, opening my mind to other ideas mm-hmm. outside of my own belief system, and I started meeting more people of different walks of life. And that kind of, you know, opened my eyes a little bit. And I started thinking, this is a huge world. How could I be lucky enough to be born into the 9 million people that will be saved at the end? Yeah. So that thought process, plus there were a lot of teachings and rules that I simply did not agree with. Mm -hmm. And, like, would refuse to practice. And um, that kind of just, like, snowballed over time. Mm Mm-hmm. And eventually, you know, some things happened in my personal life and it just kind of like opened the door for me. It was like, okay, you have a choice right now. You can be a Jehovah's Witness Mm -hmm. 
in this like faith belief system that you don't 100% believe in. So you can fake it for the rest of your life and probably go as far as you want to or you could take a step back and re-examine your belief system yeah and so you chose to re-examine so i chose to re-examine and i was only going to take a couple of months off Mm -hmm. and you know um, my parents didn't like that very much (laughs) so they they were like all right well you need to make the choice now like you can only live in our house if you're a jehovah's witness Mm. and so that was when the decision became obvious to me like well if i'm going to start a new life it might it might as well be right now because you know i'm not going to get an opportunity like this again so yeah and how did you how did you feel in that moment like leaving that was the hands down the most difficult and probably one of will be one of the most difficult decisions i've ever made in my life because basically my entire life up until that point all 19 years of my life, because I was 19 at the time, mm-hmm. had revolved around being a Jehovah's Witness. So every friend I had ever made, my entire family, because I'm a fifth generation, I was a fifth generation witness. My Whoa. family had been in that religion since the early 1900s. Yeah. And um, so everyone I had ever known and that had been close to me was now, there was now the possibility of never speaking to those people again. Because mm-hmm. is it, is that a, rumor that you get shunned or that is 100 percent fact if you sin and it's deemed that you are unrepentant then you can be expelled from the congregation mm-hmm. so that means that it's a forced shunning yeah or if you choose to leave at one point because of doctrinal reasons or whatever then you can also be shunned but i knew that i wasn't going to like formally submit a letter saying i don't want to be a jehovah's witness cuz that would make sure that i would ne- never see my family again mm-hmm. so i wanted to just kind of back away yeah so i just kind of disappeared like nobody knew my parents didn't even know where i lived when i left home oh my god where so, did you live i lived like 10 minutes away from them <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't know like where i lived and um that was because like I didn't want to be shunned, but it ends up happening anyways because everyone's very, you know, mm-hmm. into it. So they think if you're a threat to their spirituality, they're going to cut you out anyways. Yeah. So most of my family, the only family member I still have any contact with that's still a Jehovah's Witness is my mom yeah. occasionally. But very, it's become very rare <laughs> lately. So what happened, um, if you don't mind going into detail, so what happened... Um, with your relationship with your siblings? So, um, the only sibling that I have that, well, actually two siblings that I have that are Jehovah's Witnesses are my younger sister that I spent the majority of my life with. Um, she's 17 now. Uh, basically we were best friends growing up Mm -hmm. and there was a, most of my life was just me, her and my mom. Mm -hmm. And so it was, very difficult because she decided like yeah she didn't want anything to do with me like right off the bat when i left home Mm. she felt like i had betrayed her in some way so um i haven't i've seen her once yeah since then and it's been three years almost two years Mm. yeah so that's been really difficult um and then i have another younger sister she's three years old but so she's not really you know not really her choice Mm -hmm. in the matter Um, And they both live with my mom. And my other siblings, I mean, my younger brother I live with now, so we're cool. (laughs) And then my older two siblings are, that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so where would you say you are now spiritually? Now, if I had to put a label on my my belief system, it would probably be agnostic. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe there's some kind of higher power, but I don't believe in the God of the Bible. Yeah. And why not? Um, because, you know, reading... I read the Bible many times as a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the things that he did to people and the way that he acted, you know, even if he did exist, him being the all-powerful being... And, you know, the vindictive way that he acts. Mm-hmm. Even if he did exist, I wouldn't really want to follow him anyways. Yeah. So, um, I think he was mostly invented by, by humans because he's just too much like a human. Yeah, I think that the God of the Bible was invented by white men. Um, <laughs> and that's that on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, just because of, like, all the rules and yeah. regulations <clears throat> that white men adhere to and love to fall back on. Yeah. Um, it all kind of falls into place And it's like I don't know personally if I had to choose I would Like and it's so weird to separate them But I would like be more into Jesus than God Because Jesus' message in the Bible Was always love yeah. Like love your neighbor as yourself Like just loving other people Rather than punishing all the time I've always found it interesting Because the word Christianity the definition of Christianity is follower of Christ. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of Christian teachings are not very loving and nice. Oh, my God. And Say it again. Like, you know, if you really followed Christ, he gave everyone a second chance, mm-hmm. no matter what. 70 times 7, actually. 449 chances, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that the right math? Forgive your brother. <laughs> like, yeah, forgive your brother. But it basically meant, like, Yeah, endlessly. Endlessly. But... Um, yeah, so those are all the questions I have for you. Is there anything that you want to share that I haven't asked you about? Yeah, I mean, there is, um, there are a couple of things about the religion that, you know, bothered me when I was in. Mm -hmm. Some of the things I talked about earlier that, you know, um, things that I didn't (laughs) want to participate in. Mm -hmm. One of which being the shunning that we talked about earlier, but there was a, um, one of the things that always bothered me was the treatment of women. They believe that women, based on the teachings in the Bible, are subservient to men. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I told you, white men read and, the Bible. Yeah, and I always, <laughs> I always had a really, I really had an issue with that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they they believe, especially in marriage, um, they believe that the woman should always be submissive to the husband. So whether it be like in conversation or in action or you know in decision making they should always defer to the man's judgment Hmm. and um there's actually a recording of one of the one of the leaders who's still currently elected Mm -hmm. talking about women and he was you know bringing up the the old thing about women's heads being smaller than men or women's brains being slightly smaller than men's and stuff okay yeah (laughs) it's it's, don't get me started but <laughs> um yeah and another way is in the congregation because women are not allowed to have any position at all in, mm-hmm. the, in the religion men can if you're a young single man you can go all the way to the top if you wanted to within like 15 years mm-hmm. but women are only allowed to be on the base level the whole time so they can't get up on the stage and preach at all they can go door to door but basically that's it so they can they be like uh, uh what's the word like elders nope. um so okay so that's how did men. this ooh that's 
ugly. Yeah. How did this um, women being subservient rule play out in your life, in your home? Um, honestly, in a huge way, because I was raised by a single mother. Mm-hmm. And I always view... My mother is a very powerful person, and I have always respected her greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, even if we don't speak a lot now, um, I've, I've learned a lot of my life lessons from her. And I always viewed her as a kid as being a very, you know, she was the strongest person in my life. Yeah. And um, when she got married, when I was in middle school, um, I noticed how she changed. Her personality just completely changed. She became very, a lot more laid back. Mm -hmm. And she just let the man that she married say a lot of, say and do a lot of things that I know she would never take from anyone else. Yeah. Um. And it was just because she was required to be submissive to him. Mm-hmm. She was required to defer to his judgment. And I knew that she was used to running the house her way. Yeah. And that was very, you know, disturbing to me to see my mom change like that. How do you think it, like, how do you think that made her feel? I could tell, I knew that she um, had problems with depression in the past, especially like when my dad first left. Mm-hmm. But she she seemed very happy when it was the three of us. You know, I know she always missed having like a companion in the house. Yeah. But um, you know, we had a lot of fun together. And then when she got married, she started having a lot more issues with depression. And now she's been basically regularly taking antidepressants for years. Hmm. And um, I uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you reminded me of something. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and that just, that always weighed on me a lot. And, you know, it, it was just very sad to see. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. Because, honestly, the more you talk, the more I'm like, our lives are super similar. So, like, I can't even imagine seeing my mom, like, go from being the head of the household, like, strong, the strong woman that she is, to, like, mm-hmm. deferring to someone else's judgment and being submissive. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share with the class? Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I could talk for hours, honestly, about that religion, but yeah. n- nothing else really that jumps out at me as being like, I need to say this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I think I've said what I needed to say. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Sam. Thank for talking you. to me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Anytime. Uh, do you want to shout out your socials or anything? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay, well, uh, yeah. Thanks. This was cool.